Welcome to All Killer No Filler. It's Friday. I'm Eric Dick, and today we're presenting part of a module that we recorded for D2C's very first course in partnership with Pilot House. It's called Scale School for Facebook and Instagram ads. This killer convo features Pilot House CEO and co-founders Dave Steele, Kyle Hitchcocks, and I spilling the tea on some of the high-level company building strategies that agencies and D2C brands can use in today's climate. So we answer some questions like how to get your team to build great angles, what to build internally and when to hire an agency, how to build an amazing company culture, and ultimately how to find, train, and retain talented media buyers. And as always, you can go to dtcnews.link slash scaleschool or to directtoconsumer.co and you can click through to our course from there if you want to check it out. We're doing a reverse Black Friday sale, so it is still available at a very nice discount, but every week that price goes up until Black Friday, Cyber Monday, hence the reverse. Hope you enjoy it. I do believe creative is going to dictate mm. targeting, right? Certain creatives, to your point, resonate with certain audiences. So the machine can use that type of creative and match creative to audiences, and they don't have to know the specifics of this person. They know that they resonate with this type of creative. So as marketers, we have to provide the machine with the, the breadth so that it can do its job. This podcast is sponsored by Klaviyo, the email and text marketing platform that puts D2C brands in control. If you're the leader of a D2C brand, you need a platform that hustles as hard as you do. Klaviyo unlocks the power of your e-commerce data so you can personalize and automate messages that keep customers coming back. D2C brands communicate with Klaviyo. Get started for free at klaviyo.com DTC. Hello and welcome to module five of Scale School how to build a powerhouse marketing team. And uh, I've brought together the co-founders of Pilot House, uh, Dave Steele and Kyle Hitchcocks, to talk specifically about how you can know when it's time to hire an agency. So I'll start with that question. When do you know it's time to hire an external growth partner or agency? And uh, what do you look for when you do that? I think it depends on one, your money. So you either have to have some space to pay for the services or an investment, or you need to kind of know where you're at. Um, there's obviously more to consider, such as the talent within your organization, your skill sets, where you want to put your time. Um, and there's, there's a bunch of things to unpack there. But just broadly speaking, one, you got some cash. Two, you need skills that you don't currently have or you don't have time for. Amazing. What do you think is essential that brands have internally, even before they think about expanding to a growth partner? I'd say a proven product, a proven you know, proven audience, like you gotta, it's gotta be working, right? Because when you bring in additional fuel for the fire or, you know, muscle, ideally they're in a situation where they can scale something that's working, take, take knowns and apply pressure. Um, yeah, in, in the cases that I've seen that have been hugely successful, that's been the case. Anytime it's a little bit more experimental, mm. there's testing, like you're deploying a, an army, right? Mm. And if they're in there nitpicking, trying to solve little things, it's not gonna be efficient. So get your house in order, right? <laughs> Make sure you got something that works and then then deploy the, uh, the hungry team of performance marketers. I think also just timing. So we like to talk about timelines. So if you're early stage, uh, what you need may just be someone who can do early identification of something that you need to uncover or learn about your business, right? But when you, you get out of like that early, early stage and you found something that's hitting or you found you're confident in your product and you're going to raise or you're, you know, bootstrapping, whatever you choose to do, 
you need you need to navigate that early part and then there's different skill levels in each of those stages so uh growth like scale to, to dave's point um you know you, you you're gonna hire you're gonna hire for something different than you would earlier on in, in your business i think mm -hmm. that's interesting so when you have decided you're ready to you're ready to scale you're ready for an external growth partner what specifically should you be looking for uh, when trying to decide what kind of agency you want to work with. We're inherently biased, but uh, I would say performance marketers, right? You want Define that. Define what performance marketing is briefly. Performance marketers to me is one thing matters, sales, right? It's all about net sales, making a sale. You got a product, you got to sell it, right? At the end of the day, what is advertising? It's saying, hey, would you like to buy this product? And there's a whole art there about how you do that, the strategies and how you, how you position, how you approach, how you give your message, your value proposition. It's, it, it runs deep. But at the end of the day, what's most important to a performance marketer is getting the sale across the line and getting it across today, right? If we're here and I'm gonna try and sell you something, you're not gonna walk away off this table until you bought it in my mind. And if you do walk and you haven't bought, that's a lose for me, right? Whereas I think in the tr more traditional world, it's okay if you walk away today without buying it because I'll try again tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. How can you tell if you're talking to a growth partner that is not a performance marketing agency? What are some of the things you might hear? I, you know, I, it's funny, I've talked to a few recently and someone was talking about um, you know, the cost per clicks or mm. these metrics that are sort of considered more vanity metrics. Yeah. And I imagine when you hear more of those vanity metrics as things that, a, that an agency or growth partner is putting out there, you might want to run the other way. Uh, again, I always go back to the stages. There's like early stage startup, you're either invested or you're not, you're bootstrapping or you're, you have funding, right? And then there's the middle, and then there's the mature stuff like the fortune 500s and they're just like you know what i want to just like spend a bunch of money today because i got a budget and i just mm -hmm. want eyeballs and mm -hmm. so really it's it depends we work with all of them mm -hmm. um the conversation really comes down to what is the goal so you know what cost per click might be a good goal for some people true that could be a good goal yeah i think it's going to be antiquated pretty quick i think it's going to shift i think I think at the end of the day, you need to somehow have some visibility into some traction that you've gained, even if you are measuring cost per click. TV ads, as an example, I've learned take two years to measure at scale. Hmm. Two years. Hmm. Big companies don't care. They measure it. They look at the macro change in their business. We sat in a boardroom. We were looking at the sky. He's like, we're like, you're like Facebook. We're like smashing it, smashing it. Yo, 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 low CPAs, low CPAs. And he's like, this, this guy's like legit. And he's like, TV. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Like, give us your budget. And he's like, he's like, well, no, TV moves the needle for us. That's where it all comes from. And I was like, how do you measure that? And he's like, it takes two years. And I was like, okay, cool. So how do we tie in the work that we're doing into your long-term goal there? Let's measure that together. Interesting. When, you're, when you hire a growth partner, mm -hmm. how do you make sure you're asking the right questions? Ultimately, how do you make sure that you keep that agency honest? It's a very good question. The big one for me is transparency. Early on in my career, I got to experience the affiliate marketing world, and one of my first observations was that it often lacks transparency. You don't know exactly what's going on. Attribution, grabbing, stealing, whatever is rampant, and it's because there's a lack of transparency. So anytime you're working with a partner, it must be built upon the foundation of transparency. There's no hiding, right? The data is the data. You need to be willing as a brand, as a, as a partner, to open your book, so to speak, open your Shopify and say like, this is, 
what really matters and we need to align on these numbers mm. everything upstream doesn't really matter at the end of the day our partnership must be built upon the actual things that count and the challenge is that that requires hard work and so if you're sniffing around finding out a partner you have to know are they willing to do the hard work and that's a hard thing to find so specifically, like what, how, how do you qual how could a brand qualify whether or not an agency is ready to roll up their sleeves and do the hard work that's going to be required to scale? I, th I think, I mean, agency, the word, the word agency, da, 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 it's just, uh, don't like that word. Don't like that word. But, you know, we are one, technically. Now, agencies typically are really good at sales or services. And there's this middle ground, whether they're really good at sales or they're like kind of good at services or they're really good at services and they're not good at sales. I think like, first of all, like you ask the salesperson to bring the team so that you can talk to them mm. before you close a deal. Look them in the eye and say, what are we going to do here, guys? How are we going to do this together? And if you're not getting a good vibe back, then keep shopping. Yeah, disparity between the sales team and the actual operational mm. team is, is, is big. Mm. Uh, find out in the deal structure, are they willing to win when you win? Yeah. And it's a hard one. Like, I spend so much of my day <laughs> deciding, am I willing to win when you win? Because I'm now in your shoes. And can I win if mm. I was in your shoes? And if I don't believe I can, yeah. then I'm not going to look you in the eye and say, hey, pay us all this money. Mm. And then not believe it. I have to believe it. I have to believe if I'm in your shoes and if our team, and we just like you said, we go to our team members and we mm. say, can you succeed? Can you really do it? Because if you can't, you don't get to share the spoils of your battles. There's no together. spoils. There's if no there's spoils. no spoils, why are you going to battle? Exactly. exactly. So then what sort of questions are we thinking of asking brands when we decide if we want to become their growth partner? What do we need to know about a brand, in our case specifically, mm -hmm. if we're going to join them? Well, it's really interesting. All of a sudden, we're, we need to know the margins, right? We need to know if we're going to take a piece of the profit, mm -hmm. how much profit is there? Every time you sell a product, what's on the table, yeah. right? If there's a little wee piece of meat left over and we're all, we got a lot of hungry yeah. mouths to feed, <laughs> it's tough. And maybe a different strategy, a leaner strategy. Um, you know, you probably need just select people who are going to be a little bit more lean, mean, scrappy, um, aligned probably to a little closer to the brand than even we can be as a partner. I think also just the fundamentals like cost of goods sold. Do you know them or do we have to establish those for you? What is your shipping times? How long does it take for you to get your inventory orders? Do you have inventory on hand? These are questions that we must know in order to do a good job because our team is fully integrated. These are questions a partner can ask the agency or an agency can ask the partner. And if both sides aren't really in tune with, with the actual numbers, we have this thing, we say, know your numbers. Mm -hmm. Ask people if they know your numbers. If they don't know your numbers, it's not a good partnership, one way or the other, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's a really important thing. Because, you know, if, if not everyone is aligned and synced to the numbers, the reason, what is our goal? What is the magic number? What are we going after? Again, you know, it's going to fall apart. And if you approach a growth partner, if let's say you're a brand, you approach a growth partner and you say, hey, we need to make a decision on a, on mm -hmm. a new agency or a new partner by next week, mm. expect that to fail, mm. right? Because neither party can do proper due diligence mm. to actually believe in what they're doing. And it's just an unfortunate nature of you're, you're forcing a situation that isn't going to be as productive yeah. as one where you can actually say, we're going to we're going to do this together. Like, let's look forward a year from now, two years from now, we're going to be popping champagne because we, we grew this business from 10 million to 50 million. Now that's something worth aligning a 
big team of people around mm. and go out and get it and make it happen. On the flip side, sorry, I know you have more questions, no. but on the flip side too, I mean, listen, let's let's be serious. There's other services. There's development for your e-com store. There's landing page builds. There's like content writing, direct response, blah, blah, blah. Or not direct response, doesn't matter. You need content for your website. Like it doesn't matter. There's a bunch of services out there and, and you know, we're getting pretty, pretty heavy on like the like, we're going to the moon conversation here. But like, no matter what, just find partners that are clear in their communication, there's clear scopes, meet the team that's gonna work on it, do a good job, ask them to do a good job, be nice, they'll be nice, and uh, get aligned, you know? Mm -hmm. No matter how big or small the project is, if you just don't, you don't know who, there's no clear scope. Like at the end of the day, you have to have a clear scope and you have to be aligned. Mm -hmm. So it, you, you all about alignment <laughs> enough to even wear an Alignment Wars shirt here. Yes. Can you can you tell us a little bit about what this shirt means? The Alignment Wars was a period in time, which uh, we have since recovered from, where a special group of people worked very hard to uh, get a bunch of clients in a very short period uh, of time aligned to our values and uh, mm -hmm. our intentions and our growth, and it was. It was a lot of fun. Amazing. You made a shirt to commemorate it. I love yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to celebrate. I you have it. to, you know, the, the band disjointed. We sent them across the Pilot House universe. <laughs> and now they're all doing their own, their own, uh, their own battles out on, out on their own. I love it. Yeah. Um, I, you mentioned multiple partners. And this is something I come across on the podcast. When brands are looking for agencies, they're often looking for the best in class in each individual category. So they want, us, they want the best email marketing mm. team. They want the best Google team. They want the best, mm. uh, you know, I, I wanted to tell, you know, we're an omni-channel agency. So I know, uh, you know, we're ultimately looking to, to get all of a client's business if possible. But I wanted to, can you guys speak to that a little bit about wh how we work with other agencies and as a brand, you know, how many agencies are a lot of these brands even juggling? We try and do the hard thing, which is treat any other partners mm -hmm. as our own. Because at the end of the day, what are we all trying to do? We're trying to support this business, this brand and the team, because hopefully they got a great product, they got a great mission, they got mm -hmm. good values, and we want to see them good succeed. People. Yeah. Uh, so you have to come from that place of, you know what? I want our competition to succeed. You know what I mean? Because them succeeding, nothing bad to me. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, it, it rises the tide of the industry. It, mm -hmm. it, it creates this trend, this DTC trend that we're on, and we're all riding that wave. Mm -hmm. So uh, coming back to your earlier question of what to look, what to look for in a, in a partner, try and find those values, right? Like what are your company values? Because if, it's, if yeah. it's just smash and grab and make some money, guess what? When push comes to shove and they have to play nice with three other agencies, they're probably not going to. And that's not going to be an agency you want to work with in this no. environment. Short term, maybe. You know, maybe, depending, yeah, yeah. Maybe. You, maybe. You, yeah, we talk about values all the time. Like we're look, values, values, values all the time in, in all of our content. But I, you know, it's, it's not about our values. It's about what the brand's values is. Like what are your values as a brand owner? What are your values when you're looking for a partner to do work with you? They're not our values necessarily. You'll have your own values. Match that shit up. Make it happen. But at the same time, you want a brand that understands our values as well as a, you know, a massively iterative you know, high performance agency. It's not for everyone. Mm. Yeah. Like to be fair, it's like, it's straight up. It's just, it's not for everyone. And so like, honestly, we, we just, you know, be yourself, Love lean it. into your superpowers. If you're, yeah, it's not for everyone. So that's it. So this module that we're in is specifically about how to build a powerhouse marketing team. So any brand owners out there, this is literally about, you know, this video specifically is about how you can go about hiring good marketers. And I know this is a problem that people have in the industry and whether you are looking to hire marketers or you're looking to be hired, I wanted to ask like, what do we look for in media buyers when we're bringing them onto the pilot house team? 
Hmm. Really good question. To me, I do a lot of the first interviews, what I call the gut check. And at the end of the day, the big question I ask is, would I partner with you? Right? Would I want you to be a shareholder with me where you have to have the ultimate trust? Right? I trust you to act in my best interest and I'm gonna act that way in yours. So if, I don't, if you don't viscerally trust someone for us as an agency, why would I put that person in contact with our partner if I don't viscerally trust them? Why would our partner trust them, right? And I don't think, I think that extends no matter what you do. It's not just an agency thing. If you're running a brand, you have to, at the end of the day, trust this person that they're gonna look after your best interest in the same way that they're gonna look after the brand's best interest, they're gonna look after their colleague's best interest. And so you can, from that foundation, you can, you can build upon it, right? Things like transparency, which we talked about earlier. When shit goes wrong, which it will always. 100%. Are they going to just come to the table and own it and say, I messed up, right? Because you can deal with that, right? You expect that out of a partner. Partners don't hide things from each other. So you expect that from every member of the team. And in this industry, when you're running campaigns, intentionally, you're expecting half of them to fail. You're expecting things to go wrong. Higher. <laughs> so 90% fail. But you expect the culture to embrace that mm. and to move forward and to push and to keep trying. And you ex also expect them to just come forth with uh, and, and own it. It was a 90% failure, 10% win. How do we focus in on that 10%? Exactly. As the idea. Okay, cool. So that's the gut check phase of bringing on media buyers. Beyond that, what's the actual process that we go through when we when we hire people just to make sure once they get past that gut check mm -hmm. phase? Mm -hmm. That's where it gets fun, honestly. Uh, we like to do things different, right? We like to just see people in the actual element that they'll be in, right? Just real talk. My conversations with people, it's not an interview, it's a conversation. Mm -hmm. I tell them all the reasons they shouldn't join. Pilot House, right? And if you're a brand owner, you should, and you're in charge of hiring, you should tell everyone why they shouldn't join your company because they're going to find out three months the, from now. Give them the black, the, the black, black holes, the black hole story. Do yeah. it. All right. So, <laughs> if you don't know much about this industry, there's a few things you need to know. First of all, there's a scoreboard on the wall at all times. You are a contender. You're competing always, and if you're not comfortable being on the court playing the game you're probably not gonna like waking up in the morning. You're gonna have that Sunday night anxiety. Sunday scaries. Sunday scaries. And right away I'd say, you deserve to not have Sunday night scaries. Don't go on the court if this isn't the right thing for you. Mm. And that extends through to the black hole, which is the industry doesn't sleep. Right? Mm. Campaigns run 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's a, it's a, the phone is the black hole. The phone is, is the right? black hole. And Slack yeah. is, you know, what, 10,000 messages a day. If you have to actively tune it out, mm. otherwise it can control your life. Because if you're, if you're the right person for the role, you love it. You're almost, you're, you're thrilled by it. You're addicted to it. You want to have the action. You want to see your campaigns. And you need to have it within you to actually be able to push back and not have mm. that dinner with your family interrupted because you can, go to, you can go to a dark place, right? So I tell people, you need to know you have the self-control to not only feel the thrill, but to manage the thrill mm. because six months from now, two years from now, you don't want to wake up and say like, this wasn't for me. Mm. 
especially when you've got this whole like uh, dissolution of work and life boundaries that you have. You, you have to find people that can kind of set those boundaries themselves yeah. and really embrace the thrill of the hunt, but know mm -hmm. enough to be able to set boundaries in order to still have dinner with their families. Exactly. And for those who thrive, they got places to go. Right. I got places to go. I want that. I don't want to be confined to an eight-hour window. I don't have an on-off switch. I'm living. I'm getting where I want to go. And that means I wake up every day with that intention. And that's the difference maker. So when I'm looking at someone, I'm sitting across having a conversation. Do they have it? Like, really, do they have it? Yeah. Or are they just looking for another, you yeah. know, another J-O-B <laughs> just because that's, that's what they think they need? It's a big day. Your brand got mentioned by a huge name on Instagram stories. But while you were busy popping the champagne, you completely forgot to save the video. And poof, it disappeared into the Instagram abyss. Have you ever wished you could automatically save stories your brand is tagged in before they disappear? Now you can with Archive App. Archive App detects when your brand gets tagged on Instagram, saves the content and uploads it to your app, all in the background while you're sipping bubbly. Sign up for archive.ai and use the code D2C100 to get your first 100 posts for free. Step number two. Yeah. Yes, please. Step number two is we put everyone through a team screen. So uh, we, we trust the people that we hire. Dave tried to scare them off. He said, mm -hmm. you don't want to be here, you don't want to be here. And they're like, I really want to be here. And we're like, okay. They go and meet the team. So team has buy-in. Doesn't matter if they've been here six months, two years, three years, four years, whatever. The, we mix it up, we rotate it. We want everyone to be involved in the hiring process. So they'll do two to, or one to three different uh, team screens and there's a scorecard. Um, is that for skills and culture, or is it mainly still just for culture? It's a gut check, it's their gut check. Yeah. So they'll actually work in office. I mean, COVID was difficult, it remote through Slack. We mm -hmm. didn't share a screen. Uh, team mm -hmm. overcame that challenge quite successfully, but focusing in here, uh, it's an in-office. So can I work with you? Do, you? do I think you share the values? Do I think that you'd be capable? There's a, there's a criteria, I don't remember what it is. Um, there's a third step, which you can get into just for the sake of uh, passing the baton here. What's the third step? Some kind of test? It's a test. It's an exact screen. Mm -hmm. It's an exact screen. Yeah, that's where we, we, we try, and ask, try, and, try and ask unusual questions, really get a sense of you know, who this person is, right? Mm. So throw them some curveballs, have some fun. Uh, what would be some example things that we... we <laughs> oh, I told you a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so there's, there's basically, the intention of this is really is to finalize the, the like, are you sure you want to be here? because it's gonna be a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And you're gonna be here, we're going places, but it's not for everyone. Are you sure? They say yeah or no. I'm like, okay, cool, nice to meet you, or like, have a good day, or like, nice to meet you, whatever. We just ask questions, and it's marketing questions, and it's fast, and it's, it's like, what angle would you do with this idea? And they're like, what's an angle? And I'm like, what do you think an angle is? Go on, go on, go on, just curveballs. You're, you're selling shoes, sell me this shoe, kind of classic, you roll the pen over on the desk, Tell me the pen, right? Yeah. You gotta do that to really see how someone thinks. Mm -hmm. and on their feet. On their feet, yeah. but also deep, deep pressure. It's not like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's no, about it's creating fun. an environment. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, Coffee's for closers. No. <laughs> None of that. No, but I mean, we do talk about our ambitions and whatnot. I guess the moral of the story is like, there's people with experience and those questions are a lot different. There's people that are older, those questions are a lot different. Mm -hmm. There's people that have less experience. Those people, it's like, what video game do you play? And they're like, la la, I'm like, I have no idea. I'm like, what genre game is that? And they're like, it's a first person shooter. I was like, what position do you choose as a character in that game? That kind of stuff. Cause like, 
you need to get to know this person. Yeah. And you want to see them talking about something they're passionate about mm. because you can see their range a little bit, right? If you see can get it, them talking about the spark, yeah, where, where does their spark come from? Yeah. You can see them get, whether it's video games or something else, you can mm. get them jacked up. You can really see where that, where that passion can, can lie. Totally. And then, you know, outside of fundamentals, of course, there's people with different experiences. If there's people with a lot more experience, they get a different experience with, with the interview. Same process though. We'll have someone with one year interview, someone who's got eight years experience because we are committed to that team, those values and whatnot. But at the end of the day, no one's a dick. Mm. Except me. Uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to ask just quickly, like one of the reasons we're doing, we're, we're creating Scale School is literally because we're, we're, we're hiring so fast at Pilot House mm. uh, that we want to be able to have a standardized training document that all employees kind of will, will be going through. I think that, that's a great mm. idea with this. But I wanted to ask briefly, you're not going to always be able to hire seasoned media buyers. You're mm. going to have to be able to hire people that are maybe even unfamiliar with, with what the term media buying means. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about how we balance hiring for experience versus training people? Personally, I would choose fundamentals uh, first. So if someone has the right fundamentals and you've, you've done the deep think and you said, you know, snap your fingers, it's five years from now, do you really want to be an expert in this field? And there's a, there's a bit of an ugly truth there, part of the pushback is like at the end of the day, you sell shit. Right? You have to want to sell stuff because our world thrives on manufacturing products sticking me on boats, shipping them across the world, putting them in cardboard boxes, then on trucks and shipping them out, right? There's some ugly nature to that right now. I hope that we will be a part of some, some uh, green initiatives and some solutions in our near future. But you gotta, be, you gotta want that, yeah. right? You have to wake up and say like, I am the best at this. If someone says, what do you do? Your answer is, man, I can sell X better than anybody yeah. else in the world. I think also it just comes, I always go back to timelines. Everyone probably resents me for it at this point, but there's a timeline in your business, your expertise and your experiences. And so if you were like a small business and you're like, I need to build my business, you're going to have to hire someone with experience or you're going to have to have media buying skills. If you have media buying skills and you can hire people with less experience, if you don't have those skills, you either need to partner with someone or find someone with the skills, go back to your values, mm -hmm. make sure you're aligned. If you have a mid-sized team and you don't have media buying experience, you're gonna to have to find someone with experience or you're gonna to have to find a partner. If you do have experience, find someone else to do your accounting and whatnot. Look at your workflow, look at your abilities and where you're at in this space. I was a media buyer. It was easy to train media buyers. Super easy, came naturally. Easy to build funnels, teams. That's why we have an agency. Mm -hmm. Our business is built around skills that I had. So just find out where you're at in your business. If you don't have the skills, hire someone to support you or partner with them. You have the skills, make it happen. And if you're a media buyer out there, like looking to to be hired, maybe you, you do want a job, it's a pretty incredible opportunity. We, we talk about, you, you mentioned five years as a time frame for, in order to master these skills. We've been working at this for almost a decade and we're still learning all the time, but we also have a bunch of senior employees who we would consider total industry vets mm -hmm. that have been doing this for one or two years mm -hmm. sometimes. Like the, the time frames in this industry, I feel like when you're spending, you know, whether yeah. it's millions of months or hundreds of thousands a month, it, it can really accelerate. So you can become a very knowledgeable person in this space in a relatively short period of time versus maybe other industries. Uh, I don't know. I think it really just comes down to your mentors. I think it comes down to what your environment is. You can be an amazing accountant as long as you have the right person to show you how to be an accountant or you have the self-drive to go and study accounting. 
I would not be able to do that. My <laughs> you spend money more than you like to count. It. I get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I, I guess I guess at the end of the day, just like figure out where you're at in your business, and then you either hire someone with experience or you train up. Our sweet spot, honestly, where we where we invest in training, our sweet spot is probably like year and a half to two and a half years, where you train, 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 and challenge and encourage and blah blah blah. But that's our whole jam is is building this talent. Mm-hmm. They've called us a talent business because that's where all of our energy goes into mm-hmm. creating amazing talent that is fluid and works together. Teams are cross pollinating across traffic platforms and so mm-hmm. on and so on and so on. You don't need to think about it that extensively. What you need to need to do is figure out again. You either have the skills, you hire support. You don't have the skills, you hire a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. It's as simple as that. And quick advice for anybody who's an aspiring media buyer. Mm. The, the difference maker as a media buyer is initiative, getting yeah. it done, doing it, just not overthinking it. Don't dwell, do. Yeah. So if you're looking because you, you want to work at this brand or you want to work at this agency, just do it, right? Yeah. You have to... Cream rises to the top. Cream rises to the top. T- go to the Facebook ads library, download, watch this course, study it, really show that you're just taking actions mm. because that is the difference maker between the winners and the losers in the space. The job of everyone who has a job is to make the person who they're working for have time. Yes. If you can make whoever you're working for have time, that means that you can level up into their shoes. And if everyone is doing that, the whole way up the value chain in the world, everyone gets to mm-hmm. level up. And if someone comes, <laughs> if someone comes to us and says, Hey, I went ahead and I took my shot at filming a bunch of UGC videos yeah. as if I was promoting one of your clients that I can see on your website. And I actually built out this campaign structure that you know I think I would use to, to promote this. Even if it's total garbage, I would hire them over someone who has the skills on paper. Because this person, it's a push or pull, right? Do I have to push this person? Whereas this person is pulling me? Yeah. I want them. And it's the nature of the industry, right? We've talked mm. about it throughout this, this whole, this whole course so far it's this iterative nature pardon my my language but it's throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks in a, in a lot of cases the original term is spaghetti spaghetti you, you throw spaghetti at the wall you're a dad how you, dare you you see what sticks and, <laughs> and i think that you need people who are willing to take that initiative because this industry is unlike so many others where you can throw spaghetti on the wall and get a real-time feedback within an hour 100 percent, right so just get out there throw some spaghetti guys and uh We've all been performance marketers for quite a while now, I think, right? It's, it's been, it's been decade. Almost a decade, a decade plus. We a don't decade. need to age ourselves too much. It's been 10 but years. What do we mean by the performance marketer's mindset and what do we mean by always following the data? That's just it, grip and rip. Nice, good lead. So uh, performance marketing is basically like day trading. And so if you're not uh, on top of things 24 hours a day, regardless of country or who you're working with to accomplish a goal, uh, it's not gonna work out. It's a, we're talking about mindset, Specifically mindset over ability. I think it's you just enjoy getting punched in the face a little bit and uh, You need to be a little resilient. I like to use the word grit Uh, You have to have a little bit of grit and I think the mindset is when it all costs That's it. Interesting. Anything to add? There's a lot of forces that will try and stop you Hmm. And they often will. It's just you got to get back up persevere keep pushing through. Yeah, that's what it means And then what does it mean to let the data tell the story always? Mm. Well, the big one is ego Data is greater than ego. Ego creates this sense of self within what you're working your on. Your work, yeah. Within your work. And the problem is if you get attached to something, it creates actually a positive feedback loop in a negative direction because the more you are invested, mm. the more 
uh, you let it dictate the outcome, and, and then the more you're invested because you've you've kind of created this this, this loop. The trick is to is to tie that ego to something greater than your campaign or that creative or that thing that is you're trying to get through that minute to accomplish or the hundred campaigns you launched across five brands that day. The end goal is 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 the win. Mm-hmm. So you just need to remove yourself from like hurting around the short-term mm. failures, if that makes sense. You also need an environment that accepts that, that encourages that, that celebrates that, right? Because mm. if you're expected to win at all costs and you have to put your name on something, you need it to win. And if it doesn't win, you know, if you get grilled for that, you then all of a sudden go into this you know, the scarcity mindset, mm. right? Scaling campaigns needs abundance, right? You have to, you have to be confident. You need to think uh, about growth. But if you're fearful mm. and you're coming from this, this negative place, yeah. you're going to self-fulfill the prophecy of failure. Yeah, yeah. I think so much of uh, uh, you know, that well idea said. of not getting attached to, to your work in, in that way is very interesting because most often, like if you're, if you're conceiving of a campaign, you're conceiving of creatives, you're, you're building them, you might build the most beautiful thing in the world that makes the most sense to you as mm-hmm. to what you should do. Uh, and then quite often we find that's not what works. There's nothing worse than spending five days on something and building and creatives and you're like, this has to work based on everything that I know. Like, it's like, this is it, this is the one, this thing's gonna strike, whatever. And then it's, you turn it on, it's like, <sighs> Let's start again. Let it go. Bye. Let it go. <laughs> but I'm sure that if you're if if you don't have that performance marketer's mindset, I bet people can hold on to bad ideas for too long. Mm. With performance marketing, you put an idea out there, you iterate on it, you throw it out, you see what the market says about it, yes. and you move from there. Celebrate the ability to move on and go to the next one. That's that's the high five, that's the hurrah. Yeah. Right? It's it's amazing to spend five days working on something, found out it failed, and then you just went on and you spent five days working on something else that was equally as great, mm. which was informed by the thing that you just learned from. That is that is worth it. But nice. now spend five minutes and get it out there yeah. and then refine it for five hours. Magic moment. Okay, cool. Check this. So big thing failed, whatever, five days. Waste of five days of your life, who cares? You learned. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, you pull that little five percent nugget out of the, like the ninety, the hundred percent. Okay, not not hundred percent of it failed. Ninety-five percent it failed. You pull the five percent out that was successful. This is performance marketing. This mm-hmm. is the beauty. You take that. You spend a day on that piece. Oh shit! It's starting to work. Cool. Mm-hmm. Two days. You take that. You take the best eighty percent of that bit. You keep going. And by the end of the month, it's scaling. That's performance mindset. Boom. Well, that's great. So why is it important to test both highly branded, polished creative as well as scrappier creative? Because you don't know what's gonna work, period. Mm. Right? You just don't know and you need to find out. Once you find out, you've got data. You've got a range from scrappy to performance. You can evaluate. Now you can make an informed decision. All creative can be of high quality. This is the thing. This is a conversation brands need to realize. This is very important. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna do anything from this course, hear this. You can access different audiences with different style of creative. You can have creative that is brand safe, different than your on-brand creative that your creative director said, no, yes, yes, no. Because if you're doing this from a media buyer's perspective, from a performance media buyer's perspective, from direct-to-consumer marketing perspective, you have to have different segments and types of creative. Because if you don't do that, your campaigns will not reach different people or different groups of people based on how the algorithms and the platforms work. So. Mm-hmm. Take five different creative styles, 
run them all, make them brand safe, whatever, but make them different, make them look different, be contrasting, because if you don't do that, you're limiting the amount of sales you will get, which will limit your growth, which will limit your KPIs, which will limit your responsibility to whoever it is you have to report to. I like this too, and it's it's interesting because with iOS 14.5, we've lost some of our ability to target very pinpoint audiences, whether that be in their customer journey or whether that be within the, the actual uh, audience matrix that, that is Facebook. And so I think we've always talked about creative as being mm. another way to target. Because if you're creating, if you're putting all this different creative out there, you're going to catch different audiences depending on, on what look you're giving it, right? So you're kind yeah. of taking some of the weight off of those algorithms by offering the system more creative with more hooks. So long as you're breaking it out from a campaign architecture structure, like you don't want to put like a bunch of like everything in one campaign, but we're getting to tactics, which I think we're going to cover in another video. For sure. But tinfoil hat, future, I do believe creative is going to dictate mm. targeting, right? Yeah. Certain creatives, to your point, yeah. resonate with certain audiences. So the machine can use that type of creative and match creative to audiences, and they don't have to know the specifics of this person. They know that they resonate with this type of creative. Yeah. So as marketers, we have to provide the machine with the, the breadth so that it can do its job. Yeah, I mean, market sh compliance is shifting, PII, huge consideration. You can, you can counter that those challenges that we're all that we're all in the middle of right now through through different creative testing mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. using that as your as your main lever. Why is it important for the marketing team to be steering the ship when it comes to growth? Mm -hmm. Very interesting topic. We come across it all the time. There's a conflict between what a founder and a brand stands for and what they want and what they're trying to you know put out to the market and what consumers want. And a marketer, a market first, a growth first approach says, what do they want? And I'm gonna find that thing. I'm gonna use the words, I'm gonna use the images, I'm gonna do everything that they want to get their wallet out and transact and buy this product, right? That often conflicts with the ego that comes along with a brand to say, well, this is who I want. I only want mm -hmm. this one person. And naturally, if you're, if you're advertising on Facebook or Instagram, to make it work profitably, you gotta go broad. You need to speak to more people and do it in a way that's safe, but do it in a way that at the end of the day gets the transaction. There's a whole other line of thinking here where actually just breaking out your brand to who you think your customers are to platform because not everyone watches TV, right? So the people who are watching TV are a different audience than the people that are on TikTok. There's no reason you can't have a brand that works in parallel with both of those platforms because the audience demographics resonate differently. Mm -hmm. So if you're leveraging your brand in the right way, specific to a platform, let alone campaigns within those platforms, you get more scale. And this is a concept we will get out to the world and over time, everyone will be aligned to it till, till it is that way. I think, I think <laughs> it's happening and, and more scale is a good point because you don't know what you don't know and if you come into yeah. an agency and you're like, this is my client and you say, yeah. target this person, <clears throat> they could do that all day but that's not the way these systems work really well. You want, and I can think of countless examples yeah. that I hear on the podcast where people will come in and they'll be like, we, we used a broader targeting mm. and we realized that our audience wasn't a male who was buying this male's shirt. It was actually the male's partner exactly. who was buying yeah. this shirt exactly. for them as a gift. And when you do that, when you go broad and you allow the data to tell the story, you can unearth all these mm. other avenues for scale that you might not have known no. about. Go broad, go broad targeting with niche creative 
shit's crazy. It's like fireflies. It's like, oh yeah, bye, 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 bye. And this bye. is letting the creative do some of the heavy lifting yeah. that we maybe used to rely on yeah. with the Facebook algorithm, right? Heck yeah. Amazing. So mm. that's what this course is all about. That's what you've learned here uh, at Scale School. Uh, what else do you want people to take from Scale School specifically? Anything like from because this is this is your this is your baby in a lot of ways. This you you, you two along with the other founders and the other team leads have sort of built this. Let's this not system sell yourself scale. short, man. Come well, on. Well, I'm a big part of the content marketing here, obviously, but I'm not I'm not informing your bidding decisions or your or your creative strategies necessarily. You know, man. I mean. You just gotta hustle and you gotta learn shit to succeed in life and you know, to, to be to be frank, like the people who made this course are the people that are doing the work. So um, yeah. shout out to them and Yeah, huge respect. Shout out to the community and It's a game, you just gotta keep playing. Yeah. It keeps changing. You gotta stay Love hungry. It. Gotta follow the data. Follow the data. Follow the data. That's it. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. If you're ready to access the proven performance marketing blueprint that scales your brand post iOS 14.5, if you're looking for the Facebook marketing system that's driven over $50 million in value for Pilot House's clients in just the last six months, then you are looking for Scale School, Facebook and Instagram ads made by D2C in partnership with Pilot House. You can go to d2cnews.link slash scale school right now to access the course for a $1,000 discount this week only. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.